0: To Cisco Champions Radio. We'll be talking about SD Access multi-domain with Victor Moreno and Mike Herbert. Our Cisco Champion hosts are Paul Campbell and Scott McDermott. I'm Michelle Trick and I'll be moderating. Victor and Mike, can you introduce yourselves and your roles at Cisco?
1: Sure, thanks Michelle. My name is Victor Moreno. I'm a distinguished engineer with the enterprise networking team. We're the ones that build SD Access, SD-WAN, all the catalyst switches and the routers.
0: Awesome.
2: I'm Victor's partner in crime. I'm Mike. I do the equivalent job, except I, we focus on the data center, the cloud pieces, and so when we talk multi-domain, it's Victor and Mike's show working together.
1: <laughs>
0: Got it. Awesome. Paul and Scott, can you tell us a little bit about you guys?
3: Uh, Paul Campbell, uh, Cisco champion. Been in the group for three years now. It's, it's an awesome group. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of a Cisco Partner Coversal out of Charlotte, North Carolina.
4: Uh my name is Scott McDermott. I've been a Cisco champion for as long as the program's been around, which I've lost track of when that was. I think maybe it was 2012, 2013, something like that. Anyway, um, and then I'm an independent consultant and trainer, and I specialize
3: in wireless.
0: Awesome. Well, Host, do you want to take it away?
3: Sure. Sounds good. Uh, so first off, thanks for being here, gentlemen. Uh, I think this is the first one-on-one I've had with a distinguished engineer from Cisco, so feel Feel kind of like out of sorts.
2: It just means we have gray hair. That's all. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I'm, I'm with you. They can't see it on the podcast, but it's shiny. So um, let's start with uh, something uh, we were discussing the other day. It was a, let's, let's kind of start with the why behind everything, right? Uh, as you know, Cisco's continuing to roll out, you know, SD access and you know, intent-based networking and everything. You know, the question that still kind of comes up out out in the field is a little bit of the why why do people need it you know we are still going to run into those people who go you know i'm a cli warrior and i want to do this and do that so from your perspectives what's what's the big driving why behind you know SD access and driving multi-domain conversations
1: yes well conditions are changing right we have a lot of uh, devices a wide variety of devices they're coming online very very quickly uh they're not controlled they're not necessarily enterprise assets uh, and uh you keeping track of all of that, bringing all of that on board in a timely manner, in a manual way, is extremely challenging. Then on top of that, uh, that exposes a wider uh, security um, attack surface, and uh, securing that without the right automation is, is very, very challenging. And we want to leverage the network and the network footprint to secure all of those devices and make sure that we don't have a, an entry point for, for infection and propagation of malware that is easy to tap into. So um, things have changed. I equate it to the evolution of the data center many years back when Mike and I were were starting to work on on all these data center concerns. The first things that happened were switched networks, but it very quickly evolved to an ecosystem where you had a very sophisticated set of tooling where you could bring applications on board quickly, where you could deal with the DevOps uh, environments and and start doing things in in a more modern fashion. Um, I don't know, Mike. if you want to spend a little bit on what what that journey was like? But.
2: And I, I think it is in the data center bit as well. But focus on SDX. I mean, mm-hmm. connectivity was our job for years, right? And as long as we provided connectivity, we accomplished our job. We made the businesses successful. We made Cisco successful, and the people who use Cisco successful. But we're finding user experience expectations are changing. People are used to, you know, any application anywhere at any time, and they're also used to that apps. Performance guarantees, you know, when you log into Facebook, it comes up fast. And that expectation has propagated into every application everyone uses across business. And so the rate of change, the relationship of the user experience to connectivity is is not more complicated. It's just more critical to get right fast, right? So you need more tools, you need better correlation between the application and the infrastructure, you need better correlation between the security segmentation, as Victor said, and the infrastructure. And it is harder through a CLI to manage all of those related events. If you're just making BGP or SPF work, our world that we all lived in for a long time was, was probably the best way to do it. But when we're asked to do more, we need more.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and while you were talking about it, it made me, uh, made me remember I used to talk to people about networking about 10 years ago. And you know, people would be like, well, what do you do? And they're like, oh, well, I, I provide a road. I don't care which cars are on the road. I just give you a road, but that is not the conversation and that's not what we do anymore. I do care what car is on the road. I care about which road you're taking and I want to make sure that everything's going properly and, and you know, you're know, you getting your most MPGs, right? So I actually really like that. So thanks for going over that. Do you have anything, Scott? We've
4: we can got, confused him. That, that's <laughs> all right. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how I want to word it. So we've got the software-defined access component, and there's multiple, you know, there's SD WAN, and there's the data center options, and there's all these various um, software-defined components. And I think it would be helpful if you could kind of help us understand how this piece fits in, maybe with in conjunction with the others.
1: So, the philosophy that you see in all these different domains is is consistent in terms of the elements that matter across the board. And what I mean by that is you will find that in each one of the domains, there are some tasks and some uh, requirements to fulfill that are very specific to the domain. For example, in SD access, uh, you have wired and wireless infrastructure, and that needs to be handled in a consistent way. Uh, You have the identification of the endpoints, the variety of endpoints that you have, whether are IoT, OT, or just simply users. How do we catalog and classify all of those? So that's very specific to the domain, right? So from, the, from that perspective, SD access is complementary to all the other domains that are going to require that classification, are going to require that wireless access to bring users and things on board and bring them in a secure fashion across the WAN into the data center. So it's complementary from that perspective. But the other aspect of it is once you've cataloged the devices and, and the endpoints, you're going to put them in different segments, you're going to offer certain security functions and, and other connectivity functions, and those need to be uh, carried across. So you need to give a uniform experience as you go across the Axis, the WAN, and the data center. So when you look at the models in the data center, not surprisingly, they are very similar, if not uh, conceptually identical, to what you have in the Axis in terms of classification of endpoints, assignment to segments, et cetera. The WAN, is no exception, needs to carry those semantics across. So, so that's how these things come together in a, in, a, in a cross-domain fashion.
2: Conceptually, the thing that ties all this together when we look at it is you have a group of devices, people the need to talk to a specific application or application. So what's common across everything is user group talking to application. And I use a pet example, which is branch manager talking to mortgage application. So whether you're in the data center, whether you're in the WAN, whether you're in the campus, wherever you are, that objective, that the intent of the business is to let that branch manager talk to that mortgage application with this service level of delivery, which guarantees a service experience, with this level of access control or segmentation, which provides risk mitigation for the business. But wherever you are, it's the same thing. We're delivering the same function because that's why people are building things. And so the thing that ties all the domains together is the intent is the same. I want... In the data center, I won't let the branch manager talk the application in the WAN, in campus. And so the glue is that. And so the intent across all three things is the same. There are specific domain, <coughs> excuse me, cost points, requirements in the WAN. I pay for bandwidth. I care about managing bandwidth costs. In the campus, I care about managing RF spectrum. In the data center, I care about managing my compute environment. So the specifics are different, but the objective, the intent, the consequence of the system is the same end to end, and that's what Cisco's doing is tying
3: the intent to the specifics in a simple, manageable manner. So that so that ties into Chuck yesterday on the opening stage, right? Talking about how, you know, I think Myself and a lot of other partners and users of Cisco products, we kind of thought that DNA Center was going to, Cisco DNA Center was going to take over the world, that it was going to manage everything at some point. You know, we were like, APIC, APIC EM, what's going on? So, in terms of allowing every domain to be its own master and really be great at it, can you expand upon, you know, how these things are going and actually talking to each other around, you know, uh, for example, Sachin uh, Gupta's uh, demo where they built the policy in SD Access and it went across. SD-WAN and then went to ACI. I mean, that was eye-opening for myself and a lot of others because that is a policy pain point when you are running an ACI environment specifically and then now you're starting to spin up SD-Access and the two weren't
1: talking. So, could you elaborate on that? So, if you think of it as a journey, where we're at right now is we are um, exercising some collaboration between the domains. Um, And it leads to a more more integrated system, but, but... where we are right now, you have integration between SDXs and ACI, and we exchange identity so that you can have all the information that you need in either domain to articulate and, and author a policy that is meaningful for the user to application connection. If I don't know the, the applications on the access side, I can't author a policy. And conversely, on the, on the data center side, if I don't know who the users are, I don't have what I need to author a policy. Uh, let alone enforce it. Uh, so um, so that's the first integration, and we've optimized that over time. We have um, data plane assisted learning of the mappings of the endpoints to the to the groups, et cetera, so that you can more efficiently, uh, in real time, keep any mappings that need to be regenerated at the borders of the domains up to date. The other thing that we're doing in order to carry that semantic across which is complementary to this, is integrating the SD-WAN and the SD-Axis. The SD-WAN didn't have a full set of semantics for segmentation. We do segmentation at two levels, micro-segmentation with group ACLs and macro-segmentation with virtual networks, uh, whether they're layer two or layer three with VRFs. doesn't really matter. They're virtual networks. So um, the integration of, of the workflows where you go into DNA center and define your virtual networking and define your group, um, your groups, and then have API calls happen in the background where vManage will uh, receive that information and instantiate the corresponding VNs and, and pro- uh, give continuity to the tags that give you the micro-segmentation. That is the other leg of the integration uh, stool. And, uh, and the third one is uh, what you guys, Mike, are doing with, uh, with the SD-WAN. Where you can author um, policies in the same contract structure where you you had access control policies in the past. We've added uh, the ability to add as part of the contract an SLA level that is requested from the SD WAN. So those are the three the three aspects that we're managing right now.
2: So again, so at an initial level, where where we are today, because you know the data center pieces have been shipping a little longer. The campus pieces are are you I know mean, they're not they're, they're not brand new, but they're not you know 10 years old. In the WAN, piece, so. We've got good level of 1st tier integration, which says that DNA Center and ACI share identity information. We've got good integration that says vManage and ACI or vManage and DNA Center share information about service delivery functions. Um, We're moving beyond that to actually start sharing information across systems on a messaging bus. So, you know, I tell you about what I have available as a service or an application. You, you decide which of those applications you want to consume from which user groups. And so essentially by sharing this information on an open bus structure, we make the system ecosystem open, we make it very scalable, and we provide for us in engineering a very clean way to do optimized development in each area of the business without being stuck with this stuff won't work together. Right? So in the past, with the way we made things work, as long as we made IP work, we all did BGP, you could build different products than I built, but I made it work. Now we need to add to that an ability to basically say the more advanced functions. We need a common way to, and as long as I build to that, I don't have to talk to you in a detailed level. I know it's gonna work. I know anything you do is gonna work with everything I do. I do specific things in the data center. You do specific things in the WAN because WAN's costs are different than data centers costs. The business problems are different. But the thing that allows us to work at end to end is not just sharing connectivity, but it's sharing service delivery description across the domains.
1: Right. And, it, and, and you made an important point, uh, Paul, about your expectations seem to be going into the keynote that there'll be a controller that takes over the whole the whole operation, right? And we're not pursuing that for a series of reasons. One is preserving that operational excellence in each domain requires dedicated tooling. Even if we were to develop a single breed of controllers, it would still be the flavor for the campus, and then the variant that takes care of the WAN and the variant that takes care of the, of the data center. Uh, to Mike's point, what's important here, there are certain select experiences that are relevant across the board. And those are the ones that we are normalizing in terms of the APIs that we are eventually publishing to a messaging bus so that uh, now, instead of pairwise integrations, you will find that we are all connecting to a repository of, of policy where you can, you can share policy in an any-to-any manner. Um, but but that's key that it, it's not a controller of controllers at that point. It's, it's a shared uh, bus of, of exchange of information to to satisfy those very specific um, experiences that are relevant on an end-to-end basis.
3: But I am curious,
1: um, I mean, if it's in development or something and you can't talk about it, that's fine. But I'm
3: actually curious when I think about something like a UCS director, right? You know, it's not the controller for... Uh, the separate pods that you can configure, you can't automate. But that's not what I'm going about. Um, is there something coming that's going to provide a holistic view, at least, of policies that may be spread across everything, from a viewpoint perspective? At at some at some point, it's not controlling it, but at least giving me that ability to see the things that are across all the domains, not just only in one. Right. So,
1: to to some extent, that's possible today. Okay. There are tools out there that. Uh, that enable visibility of security policy across a multitude of different domains. And There's the usual suspects that, that probably know very well. Um, so you could you could foresee that based on that kind of model and based on the normalization of the APIs, there will be something even richer as we move forward.
2: So the answer is yes, um, but <laughs> it's not here today. It'll, we'll be talking next year and we'll have a very
3: different conversation, but. Great. Well, it's good to know that's on the horizon. I mean, I think all of us as engineers, every time, you know, we almost get into the, uh, I'll say the Marvel Cinematic Universe style of gratification. It's like, yeah, this is great. When's the next one? And it's like, they just finished 10 years. Same thing happens here. Uh, It just comes out and we're like, great, but it doesn't do all these other things. And you're like, you got to give me a moment, man. It's day zero deployment. Like, we don't do everything all at once. But it's good to know that it is coming because I will say in the past, there have been moments where... Maybe it's been a thought process that was like, "Ah, we'll do that later." But it's good to know that it's at least on the hidden table in the background, right? And we can't we can't promise too much on
2: the podcast, but absolutely, what we're talking about, you heard our CEO talk about on the big stage, right? So it's not a secret anymore, right? Well, you'll get more specifics from us as we go. Um, but it's important to know that, yeah, we're doing it. It's not just, the imp- other important thing is we talk applications. It's not a provisioning task only. It's an operations task. Is it working? Is my user experience correct? So it's, it's, it's you know, that's part of the intent system. It's, it's a cycle, and that cycle is designed and being implemented within the domains for the domain-specific problems, but it's also being implemented across domains for the common things across the domains. We don't want to overload one tool with, if I have to manage wireless RF and Kubernetes you know, management, in one, you drive everybody nuts. And so you know, how do you give the domain expertise to the domain teams that need it for their optimized behavior and yet provide for consistency across all of these pieces for the organization that needs consistency to deliver the business functions? So it's, it's, it's structured in a way that makes sense from the way we think people want to use it and the way they've all told us they
4: want to use it. So we've got uh, these multiple different systems that all basically play and work nice together. Does it matter where, I mean, so let's say you're in an organization where you don't have SD anything at this point. Does it matter where you start? Can you start in any of them? Are there any kind of uh, requirements on one end or the other? I mean, what if you've got software defined? you know, what if you've got your ACI and everything running in the DC and then you've got SD access, uh, but you don't have SD-WAN? Do you have to have all of the pieces to make it all work or is it designed in such a way that it's very flexible for deployment options?
1: So, so these systems are designed to be consumed uh, in a phased manner and incrementally, so a la carte, if you may. Um, and the one thing to understand is there is a, an ideal um, si- situation in which you've implemented everything that the system can give you, but that doesn't mean that you need to opt for a different system if you're gonna consume only a part of that. So with that in mind, as you, as you start deploying some of these systems, if you choose to start with the campus only, uh, well, you can secure campus users from campus users, for example, and you probably wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be uh, leveraging too much the user-to-application policies at that point. So, so you can exercise these things in an incremental way, and, and that's the key to, to deploying um, the different domains at different points in time. The thing to keep in mind as you go through that journey is plan ahead. Choice of platforms, um, what are you going to do in terms of topologies where do you start enable thing enabling things um, so that so that as you start uh, turning the knob on on the different places it's more it's a less disruptive um, operation uh, modulo that it's it, you can consume it pretty much in any way you'd like and it's it's up to the organization to evaluate where do I get the biggest bang for the buck historically we've seen a lot of data center first um, but that doesn't mean it's the only model, right? We're seeing a lot yeah. of uh, SD-WAN first
2: as yes, well. Interesting. And I, I just to, listening to the Victor talk and thinking about back to the, where Cisco came from. We saw customers in the early days, you know, prior to EGP, you know, EIGRP, and prior to OSPF routing designs. You know, they're throwing IP addresses everywhere. At some point. We had to teach people, or they had to realize that if they thought about where they wanted to go, even if they hadn't deployed it all yet, they had a structure in mind, and they built an addressing space and a routing architecture, and then they deployed it with various pieces. This is really the same thing. We're saying, we just like to think about what the design will be for more sophisticated connectivity services. And then you start with the WAN, so long as when you're doing it, you think about, well, when I add this piece and I add this piece, it's going to work. If I never add them, I don't need to. But then at least you've you've gone through the same disciplined approach you had when you laid your routing architecture out in the past, so you get the same results that you had, which was fault domain isolation, scalability, ability to make changes independently. This one I have funding for this year, the other one will be three years from now. But you know where you're going, you can manage your process safely, and the design lets you, you know, I got money for WAN because I need to move to Office 365 and so I'm basically doing offloads from the branches rather than I don't care what I'm doing in my data center this year.
3: Make sense? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, When you are dealing with clients and you're talking about SC Access, what are some of the, what's like in the last year or two, a good success story around multi-domain that you have seen that you uh, can publicly talk about?
1: So can't quote the customer name but but we have um, operations where there is a need to very quickly bring uh, branches or, or locations on board and um, um, this organization has been particularly successful at, uh, at simply uh, defining what their policies are for the type of users that are going to go in those in those branches for example temp developers we we so they have a a profile for temp developers that is that is subject to policies that is subject to certain steering of traffic that goes through a specific DMZs consumes only specific applications and they've been able to to normalize this to the point where all they do is just they deploy a uh, a location which is nothing particularly different from anything else and the policy immediately just follows so as these users connect in those locations they they have all their uh, Rights and restrictions and all of the optimization you may need across the access, the WAN, all the way into the data center. So for them it's been, it's been fantastic because operationally it takes them uh, the racking and stacking of the physical location and then they're done at that point. They bring it on board, all the software gets downloaded automatically, all the WAN links are, are automated and, uh, and of course once you're on the WAN your connection to the data center is consistent.
3: Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of uh, the main stage last year when they talked about SD Access. And I think it was uh, LA Children's Hospital that was leveraging SD Access at the time, uh, doing DNA Center for the rollout and how they were leveraging it to do exactly what we were talking about earlier, speed to delivery of access for all their hundreds of thousands of medical devices out there. So that's a, that's a good use case uh, or example. Uh, how about you, Mike? Did you have any? Put, Again, you, put you on the spot.
2: I spend a little less time than Victor, which is why I'm here with him, and specifically around the campus or user deployments. I mean, in the, in the data center space, we've, we've got a lot of um, people have been very successful for various things, just from simple network automation, install a switch, bring up the virtual machine networks, bring up the container networks. We've seen people deploy it for DMZ level security. And we're starting people to deploy it. We've got a couple of people actually doing you know cloud connectivity. So I, I, we're slightly different. We're a few years ahead. So the data okay. centers had a lot of success stories. Right? But I think the important thing is is we're only as successful in the data center to a certain extent until you can tie people and you can have a person log in and actually make sure they can get to their application. That's when we're successful.
3: That's Well, I mean, truly successful. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned security in that, in that blurb, and that's what I want to come back to as well. So, you know, one thing in the community that I've seen a lot of people wanting to eventually happen is, you know, I would say further, you know, broad Talos integration with everything. Like, just across the board, there's some security gurus out there who think that Talos should be basically be integrated into every product, and the fact that it's not drives them crazy. So, as we talk about multi-domain and other things like that, you know, there's the Cloud Defense Orchestrator that was talked about today. You know, how do you see the security evolution happening even within your own domain of SD Access?
1: Yeah, so on the ex- SD Access side, we are uh, tightly integrating with StealthWatch, with the AI, ML uh, uh, engine that allows us to react and, and to baseline uh, things. And then we are leveraging Talos intelligence to, to help with the profiling of a lot of what we see, not only in the baseline, but also in the on ongoing analysis of encrypted traffic uh, that we do with, um, with encrypted traffic analytics. So as you see this integration evolve, Right. We're going to have baselines that, that apply not just in the campus, but in, in the multiple uh, sites that we have across the campus and include the WAN. A lot of those patterns will go in and out of the data center. right? So, so you're starting to see one big network that goes as far out to the data center as possible. On the data center, you have you know, the, the, the converse where you, you have a lot of intelligence, a lot of visibility. And eventually, we need to correlate the two. For now, we're looking at um, the left side, the X is the WAN, uh, leveraging a lot of the Talos information with the tools that we have built into the fabric. So encrypted uh, analytics, um, as well as the baselining that we do in StealthWatch and other tools. Great. Well, and I, Can
2: I add one piece? I think, yeah. and again, because Victor has made, always made a, a really relevant point. There's trust and there's threat. Right, they're both critical aspects. So, from from a network perspective, our primary job is trust. You know, we're establishing trust. We're establishing identity. Can you get on the network? Can we provide the right level of um, connectivity controls to increase the level of trust between devices? We need to and need to cooperate. Well, have to with the, with a threat view. In other words, the threat matrix, Talos, and that sort of stuff. So do we need to make a change based on a perceived threat? Do we need to provide data? about something that's occurring to evaluate threat. But the the infrastructure, the network person's job is primarily to establish a trust foundation and cooperate with. So I don't think it should be a, is it Talos or is it DNA? It's, it's both. You've got to have both pieces because the problem is both pieces. And we can't build a single view because that's not going to be sufficient to
1: solve the problem. Yeah, and one, one important point of integration is um, the system, the cross-domain system, is built to enforce segmentation so that you reduce the sandbox of, of any any attacker. Right, the minute you detect the threat based on the intelligence in Talos in the combination with StealthWatch or encrypted traffic analytics, you then go ahead and automatically exercise a change of authorization. So the the trust system is also in a position to, based on the information of the threat detection system quarantine those those threats, right? So that, that's a big point of integration that, that should always be, be kept in mind.
3: Absolutely. Well, and thanks for bringing up encrypted traffic analytics for anyone listening. And if you don't know about it, you should really look it up because it's probably one of the things that uh, I remember from last year uh, researching and digging into, and it was just kind of mind boggling to see the amount of analytics that went behind that to really understand it because um, security is not necessarily my forte, right? It's not something that I walk in and try to tout but it is something that is obviously very prevalent. And then everything we're doing is encrypted. So you can throw firewalls and all these things in the way, but if they don't see the traffic, you're not going to do anything. So really love that. So
4: there are going to be people who, for whatever reason, they're not ready to embrace SD access or SD WAN, whatever, you know, and they don't want to embrace these pieces. They want to continue to do them the old fashioned way. Uh, is I realize all this stuff kind of builds upon that. Is there any, is there a thought maybe off in the distant future that somebody's thinking maybe, you know, is like, are, are we going to move? Is the, Are you envisioning a world where the intent would be everything is software defined and the old fashioned way would be you, you wouldn't even want to do that anymore because it's just, it's very manual. You got to changing VLANs manually and clicking and typing at the CLI all the time. I mean, is the, do you want to try and embrace both realities where... The world is all software-defined, but if you really want to, you can do it the old-fashioned way. So, uh,
1: short answer is yes. <laughs> um, I see the evolutions to be comparable to how we evolve programming computers. Right? You you were down in the weeds, just doing, you know, NCC and, and maybe even uh, assembly language, and um, that evolved over over the years with a series of abstraction layers, right? We, it got a little more sophisticated. It started uh, using objects. The objects became more sophisticated. They became uh, declarative versus imperative, and then you ended up with libraries. So today, you know, if you're going to program something on an iPhone, good luck at finding the primitives of that library you're calling. You're going to be in a recursive loop for. Uh, so I think it's a royal waste of time to try and find them. But but that that's the kind of abstraction that gives you the productivity that you want to aspire. to. Now, there's still to this day, there are people who like to go go level. Some people need to go at the low level, right? Um, the key is to understand that what we're suggesting after all these years of networking in these fabrics is a single networking stack that can allow you to do all that you may wish to do. So if you just wanna consume one little bit of that because you wanted to create a layer two network, well, you can do that. But what we would suggest is embrace the fabric technology to do that one thing that you want to do and understand that. Why? Because what happens invariably in networking is the requirements change and it's always additive. It's not like, okay, I can deprecate this and then go with the next one. So what we learned the hard way in the WAN was that combining too many protocols to do all the different things that we need to do is very difficult. What these fabrics do very well is in a single protocol, that is a newer uh, protocol stack, you can do all these different... You can basically act upon all these different services and get them going without adding more protocols, without adding a, a protocol stack. And that's true in ACI. That's true in SDA. And we're a good ways there in the WAN. But the key is, if you want to do a simple thing, I'd recommend think about the new way of doing things because the next time something comes up, you're not adding a different protocol with a new address family, totally different technology, and then managing four, five, 10, 20 things, at some point, they don't work well together, right? So we're trying to move away from that. So even if you're not uh, ready to go with intent-based and think uh, along the lines of what's up, up there, our assembly language is a comprehensive one now, which, which gives you the ability to do all of these things with one protocol stack. And to me, that, that's key because many customers come to us, well, I don't need to do any of that, Victor. And, and I look at them and it's like, well, but you need to do this little thing. And here's a very easy way to do it. And once they see it, they're like, yeah, that's a lot easier than just my plain old spanning tree, even though I love it. I'm like, well, you know, there's a poem to it, we'll frame it for you. Um, but, does anyone but love spanning trees? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Radia, Radia does. Yeah. Um, but,
3: yeah. Um, so a question I want to ask now is, so you talked about it, you talked about it's changing and it's additive, right? So uh, one of the things that we had previously discussed was, you know, is it a forklift, right? If I want to start investing in SDA, I think about back when ACI first came out um, and I think the term was, we did a service insertion, right? Where you could do kind Of a, a leaf over here of some Nexus 9Ks that could uh, act as your layer three uh, core, but then everything else below could be legacy architecture. But you could still get the aspect of the micro segmentation things built in with a very minimal investment. Is that capability there with SD access for someone who maybe wants to, you know, start trying it out and getting it going? But maybe to your earlier point, they don't have the budget to do an
1: entire massive
3: rip and replace of their campus today,
1: yeah. So so the answer is yes uh, in select platforms, right? A lot of it has been driven by um, by some of the requirements in the IoT market, etc. So, so that's that's becoming more and more uh, prevalent. Um, there are platform platform limitations to that. Um, my recommendation, if if you were to, you know, get stuck with Victor providing some some recommendations, would be pick a pocket. And deploy it there, deploy it to its fullest, and limit the amount of interfaces that are interacting between technologies and between domains, so that you have a controlled environment where you you have the highest chance of success in one environment, and then and then have a very clearly delineated handoff. And that, and that's true not just for the migration uh, scenarios in uh, in SDXs and, and I would say even ACI, uh, but but in general, I think uh, mixing and matching. Even though we write standards and uh, and we have a great time doing it, because, boy, it's fun. But uh, it's um, you know getting the standards to be implemented to the T and, and getting these things to work the way they're supposed to work is it, hard. So so the option is there um, and, and it can be exercised. But I think there's a different view of of, uh, of the world which looks at it as in let's create a, a new island um, and then that island can grow, right? So. So, rather than, than taking the old network and, and lobotomizing it, um, it's more about creating a, a, a neighboring network and having that one grow out, right? That's the other, you can do either one. We have the tooling to do either one.
2: And I think something we always sort of forget, this is networking with more that you could do when you're ready, right? So, interoperation with what you've got, you know, you don't have to do massive rip and replaces, we also think it's probably a good idea to start, and you always do this anyway, start thinking about systems in, I always use the analogy of Lego versus Duplo, start thinking about building Duplo blocks. I've got this this portion of the campus, these three floors in the building, I'm going to convert those because I've got the budget, and that Duplo block then connects to the other Duplo block that's still running in spanning tree mode. Right. So rather than trying to get little Lego pieces to all work... But in, in a Duplo perspective, you just you know replace that Duplo block with a new Duplo block, and then you get new functions in that block. And end to end, you the functions now are across both blocks. So the premise is it doesn't require rip and replace. Cisco would love you to buy everything brand new every year, but that's not real life. But you know, how do you get there in a controlled fashion? That ensures you're not trying to deal with too much complexity and interop complexity. You're building fairly clean models. And that's what you've always done. We've always done that. We just now need to say, this is the same thing now, just different name. Absolutely. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Well, and, and, and it, the reason I asked the question, right, was it comes back to being reminiscent to, so five years ago, doing ACI for a customer for the first time, right? ACI 1.0. Very exciting. Back then, there were less wizards. So everyone who has it today... Enjoy. So I will apologize for 1.0, right? We did make you do too much
2: day one yeah. at that point in time. We've learned our, Cisco's learned its lesson, right? We're not, we're giving you graceful ways, more graceful ways. You don't have to do rip and replace for any of these technologies now. Because we love rip and replace, and it makes our lives easier, but doesn't make everybody else's life easier, Correct. which is what we've really got to balance.
3: Well, and and you know, back then, I don't think it was termed yet, but we basically did network mode, right? We emulated a network, so we said, look, you're not capable of doing micro-segmentation, even as a culture, right? Can I make a clarification that Victor did? We've always done networks, right?
2: Network yep. mode just says I haven't turned the security capabilities on. I've got those functions that I've yep. not enabled yet, even though they're there. And when you turn them on, they just work and they're not fighting with the network,
3: as Victor said. That's what we're really talking about. So it's not an either or. It's just, I don't need it. I don't use it. Well, yeah, and that's and that's what I was getting at was I mean I think Cisco later came out with the term network mode, but basically you know emulating a network, making EPGs, be, um, bridge domains, everything mimic VLANs. So similar concept is where I was going with SD access. If it was along the same lines, people being able to dip their toe in, get things going without going you know full bore, because those are the things that I've I've had conversations with customers that they want to have they have uh, they want to do that similar to the old school ACI discussions, because you know security is. Coming back to security, it's a huge one. You know, most people who, you know, I, I would say pay attention in the industry know that the no one's breaking into your data center typically. They're breaking a you know, a Honeywell IP uh, thermostat somewhere that wasn't secured or locked down, right? Uh, those kinds of things. So that's where the line of questioning was going. No,
1: but for sure. Um, so today you can consume SDXs without doing any micro segmentation and uh, just not touching the macro segmentation, which basically puts you On a default table which is just one table Um, so one table no micro segments you're off to the races but now you have a multi-pathed network fully resolved for you and you can start turning things on as as you wish and what you turn on may be in the in the vein of security or what you turn on may be in the vein of oh i have some labs i need to turn on a couple of layer 2vns between these so Rather than now I have a whole project in my hands, all I do is I go into workflow, push a couple of buttons, and I'm in. I haven't adopted any uh, micro-segmentation or macro-segmentation at that point. So, so you can have the system be just forwarding. And we don't brand it as network mode. Um, I'm surprised because we have a tendency at Cisco to brand <laughs> everything. Um, but, um, but now we have an idea we might actually brand it. Um, but that's just the <laughs> default the default of the system is is everything's off and that and it, uh, that's great to
3: hear because there's a lot of people you know i think back to even now still talking to people by aci they freak out because they're like i just i can't go that crazy yet i don't have the the depth of knowledge and time to to do that they're like i just want can i just get some of the benefit <laughs> and, yeah. and that, yep. that's what comes up
1: and the automation the assurance you get all that right you get the integration of wired and wireless and um it's really simplistic because if you don't get more granular in your in your segmentation, you don't even see it, right? You don't even realize it's there, even though the system is working in a segmented manner already. So it's a, all your traffic is already in a virtual network. It just happens to be the default virtual network, which, you know, we can talk about that over a lot of beer on how <laughs> we have declared the global routing table to not be a segment. Yep. But yet it's a table with an id number it just happens to be zero so uh, so that's our default right and and you're already in that environment so when you get and turn on the next one nothing's really changing the underlying system w- what may have evolved is you're thinking and saying okay now i want to deal with segments and all you're doing is now creating a second one and i think a conversation there
3: with the customers is go ahead and get in get it running virtually get everything running even though you're not you know digging deep but once you do you're already on the platform. Yes. It's easier to go ahead and then go slice and dice logically than trying to do it
1: all at once. Yes. It's like saying you're an IP, right? Don't, don't come in and try to do some IP, some pure layer to... You're an IP, and then you can build upon it. It's a kind of a poor analogy, but, but we're suggesting get into the system, consume it as basic as you may want to, and then you can build upon it or not. You can just leave it there. But it's the same machine doing doing whatever you may need to do. It's need-driven. You
2: do what you need. And what what we've done is said when you have more needs, you're not worrying about side effects. You're not worrying about conflicts. Because that function works with that other function. And if you only use one, it doesn't matter. But when you turn the second one off, you're not worried about, oh, does this work properly? Is this Do I have to redesign everything else I put in? It is designed to... Right. Deal with the side effects like a programming language.
1: And, and as far as the integration across domains, if you only choose to to do no segmentation, no security, um, you will still get the end-to-end automation. So now you can push a button and get from the axis all the way to the footstep of your data center, fully automated, and eyes everything off your off your plate. So I get there's I, I can tell everything. you that demo earlier uh, yesterday.
3: Uh, I don't know anyone out there who doesn't want to be able to just push a button and solve wireless problems and then fix them. <laughs> like, that was the most amazing thing ever. And seeing that and then going over to the World of Solutions area and seeing some more is is well worth the visit.
2: And I'm, I'm going to say answer a question because Scott made a point earlier. We are not hiding anything. We're giving you a programming interface. And when you want to lift up the cover, it's all there. You can see it. If that's what you want to do, it's still all there. And yeah. In some cases, you may need but you know as as I grew up I have gray hair I grew up in IBM writing assembly code for MVS, right I've the world's come a long way and we should you know embrace
1: that whenever possible <laughs> well I don't think you would you would go back to the assembly today right oh no way yeah no. that's but the thing I, I know why I wouldn't go back
4: right well yeah <laughs> So, we're just about out of time, but I have. I want to take. We, we've gotten a little bit into the, the more technical. I want to pull this back up. So, we talked about needs. Needs are based on what the business requirements are. So, uh, maybe we can kind of finish this off with sort of what do you guys see as the primary business drivers at a higher level for why people make this decision and take the time to invest in you know, learning and
1: migrating to this new way of doing things? Because the world has changed. It's not changing, it's changed. Everything is connected. And the prospect is for even more things to be connected. Very heterogeneous, hard to keep track of, very mobile. So with the number of endpoints increasing, with the nature of the endpoints being more diverse, and with these things coming and going at a very fast rate, you need to start embracing these tools. The other part is we've learned a lot over the years about what services are relevant or not relevant in all different domains from a network perspective. Is it a layer two connection? Is it a layer three connection? Is it multicast? Is it encrypted, etc. All of that is now built into one stack for you, which it simplifies things from a troubleshooting perspective and another perspective. So that uh, that minimizes downtime, that reduces the cost of, of maintaining these networks, but it also gives you the ability um, to quickly bring into service all those all that variety of inputs. And a similar rationale occurs in the, in the data center.
2: It's time. We are being asked to do more, faster, the whole point of... What yeah, we're, reliably. Yeah. Reliably. So yeah. can you do, make a change fast enough to meet the business need at the same time and make sure that you your, your risk of m- making a mistake, your risk of breaking something else, your risk of not delivering the service is approaching zero. How do we get time on our side rather than time being the enemy, which is what it is right now. So does that save you money? Absolutely. Does it make your company more efficient? Absolutely. It's about how do we do more safely with less effort and in less
3: time? Excellent. And, and I think the thing that you said a minute ago about need-driven is should if it's not on all the marketing already, which I don't, I don't think I've seen it, that is, that is huge. And I would love to see that because that, that speaks volumes to me. And I could see that speaking volumes and resonating with a lot of others like need-driven architecture almost or something like that but it's, it's good that might be the next uh you want to work in one job in marketing <laughs> no i uh cisco champions as much marketing as i do so okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for joining. That was another great episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Thank you, Victor and Mike, for sharing your experience and your knowledge and for all your insight. And thank you for the hosts, Paul and Scott, for asking some wonderful questions. Um, to find this episode and other episodes, you could check it out on iTunes or cisco.com go slash CCR. Have a good day, guys.
1: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. just blame lauren i'm sure i'm sure she had a hand in it wait she can hear us okay i literally said blame lauren and she was like what oh no she's psychic (laughs) just go get a stoop waffle (laughs) yeah it'll
4: be okay everyone look at lauren it's all your fault lauren (laughs) we'll fix it in post (laughs)